Welcome to episode five of the Breastfeeding Talk podcast. On today's episode, we've got the incredible Samantha Scruggs, who's a registered dietitian, coming on and talking about nutrition during breastfeeding. And she's giving us some information that even some things that were new to me, but things that most people aren't taught when they're preparing to have a baby or when they're postpartum. So you're absolutely not going to want to miss this episode where we dive into all things nutrition and breastfeeding. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome, Samantha, to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here. We've known each other for a little while now, and Samantha you guys are going to get so much out of this. She's a registered dietitian. She owns her own private nutrition practice called Nutrition to Fruition. And her primary focus is has actually become anxiety, which I know a lot of postpartum moms are dealing with. And so I just want to welcome you, Samantha, to the podcast. I'm excited to get into this conversation and see where it goes for our listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. Well, just because you're you're probably new to this audience, I'd love for you to just give a little background, kind of how you got started, what you're doing today in your practice, and the kinds of people you're working with, and anything else you'd love to share. Yeah, so I have been a registered dietitian for, I don't know, probably like nine years. And I opened my private practice as kind of like a side business in addition to doing clinical work at the hospital um, in 2013. And then I took it full time in 2018. So I've been a dietitian for a while, but I recently started really focusing on anxiety because I just began to notice pretty much everybody who came into my practice had anxiety. And so I did a bunch of research online. Um, PubMed, that kind of thing. Like, what is there? Is there any evidence for anything we can do nutritionally to help with anxiety? And so I came up with a system for how people can manage anxiety through nutrition. And so that kind of took off online as well. And so now I have the private practice. And then we also do anxiety coaching and some courses and stuff like that as well. That is amazing. And I will agree with you. I've seen in my practice that. I would say the majority of my clients that I'm helping have some level of anxiety. And in some ways, I just feel like it's the way our society is structured for the most part that we have these busy lives and then you throw adding a new family member into the mix. And there's a, a lot of big changes that are happening there. And sometimes it's really hard to cope with those. So, um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, I'm sure you see that all the time. You probably work with a lot of families as well, right? Yeah, especially with new moms. and, and- I feel like we're hardwired. Like when babies cry, it like it gives us this feeling of anxiety. And then like, how do you deal with those feelings if the baby is crying because they're colicky or you just don't know how to meet their needs? It's not really your fault, but it still gives you that feeling of anxiety. So I do find it it's very common with new moms. Yes, yes, that's very true. And I do end up having a lot of moms ask me about that 
how, you know, initially after you have your baby, there's this sort of time period where you're trying to get in the car and go somewhere with your child, but they cry and you literally can't drive anymore. You're just, you have to pull over and see what's going on. And that's a really common thing I hear moms say. And really we're kind of wired that way. We're supposed to have that hormonal response. We're supposed to go running to our babies and see what's wrong, but it can also be very exaggerated. And um, I know for what I try to teach moms and one of my biggest philosophies is obviously doing things as naturally as possible, which means a huge focus on diet. And this is something that I feel like a lot of moms postpartum ask about, and it's a big focus during pregnancy. So I, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I'd love to just dive in a little bit on, you know, nutrition and maybe some of the misconceptions out there specifically for moms, uh, maybe some of the biggest deficits you see or, or anything you want to talk about regarding that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Diet is so key when it comes to motherhood just in, in general. And if you just think about the physiological demands on the body of not only pregnancy, but then giving birth, and then after that, breastfeeding, like these are very energy requiring, physiologically demanding jobs that our bodies are doing. So it's like, even though we as women, you know, are sort of passive to it, you know, the baby's growing, your body's just sort of, you know, feeding the baby in the belly. Um, and then when you give birth, like you, you just, you, that's something you, I mean, a lot of people are active in it, but you can also be passive. It's something that's going to happen whether you're active in it or not. And your body's just going to take what it needs in order to fuel that process. And then when breastfeeding, it's kind of the same story. Like your, you know, your body is going to take what it needs in order to fuel that process. And so they, they're very demanding on your body. And anytime you have additional demands placed on your body, whether it's pregnancy, birth, or like for men, if it's like bodybuilding or anything like that, you require additional nutrition. You require more nutrients, not just more energy, like more like what they would call macronutrients, but more micronutrients too. So vitamins and minerals. And unfortunately, a lot of times the foods we're eating are not very nutrient dense. So we maybe are meeting the macronutrient demand, like we're eating enough carbohydrates, we're eating enough protein and um, and fat, but we're not eating enough of the micronutrient dense foods in order to meet that that high demand that our that our bodies just are requiring because of this huge event that took place in our lives, you know. Yeah, and really, what I hear you saying is that nutrition in this context, the focus is on the mother because, like what you said, the their body is going to give the baby what it needs, but it's so. Yes, there's obviously concern about the baby, but but you're saying more of the focus is really on the mom for nutrition, that she needs to be getting the things back into her body that she's losing by way of growing and birthing and feeding this child. Yeah, and I mean, you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, like our our purpose is to procreate and to give everything that we have to the baby. So generally what ends up happening is that our body gets depleted of nutrition and everything that we have goes to the baby because the baby's survival is the most important thing. And generally they're not deficiencies to where it's even to like a clinical level where you could see like a, a symptom of deficiency. It's kind of like a subclinical to where it's like, it's maybe causing some anxiety. It's maybe causing some, um, s some feelings. It's um, causing like 
a few processes to slow down or shut down, but it's not like so severe to where, you know, you would need to be hospitalized or anything, but it is creating these symptoms, which we interpret as anxiety or as depression or as, um, you know, fatigue or lack of energy or like all these things that people complain about. And then when you say, well, maybe this is nutrition related, a lot of times people are like, oh, no, like I'm fine nutritionally, I'm eating enough, but it's kind of right under the surface to where we could just maybe get a little bit more nutrient density into our diet and relieve a few of these symptoms of anxiety or depression or fatigue or, um, you know, just going through your day and not having all the energy you need to get everything done, to change the baby. And I mean, a part of that is lack of sleep too. And I totally get that. Like the the baby is going to wake up every two to three hours. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, But I think we could improve our energy level a little bit through nutrition changes. Yeah. No, I think that's so important. And I think, you know, if, if anyone who's listening is like a lot of moms out there, you're definitely looking for more energy and ways to feel better about yourself. And I know for me, you know, I, I breastfed my kids for, you know, three, four years, uh, each and, and then, you know, went from one right to the other. So that was a lot of years of a lot of demands placed on my body. And I finally went to my doctor last year. I was like, you know, I just, I just, I'm really tired all the time and I don't want to, you know, have to drink more caffeine just to keep myself going throughout the day. What's going on. And like you said, a lot of these things are subclinical. So, you know, on the surface, did it, did I look like this really healthy individual and would, would a normal doctor looked at that and gone, you're fine. I have no idea why you're here right now. You're just tired because you're a mom and you're a business owner. Uh, but you know, we ran some labs and we saw some things were off and she suggested, you know, a few supplements, but one very simple change uh, where I just, you know, just throwing it out there, being real with you guys, I had a little bit of low blood sugar. Now, nothing that would have been considered actual hypoglycemia, but she was like, you know, you'd probably do really well with a protein shake in the mornings. And she was like, you know, do you wake up kind of, you know, lightheaded and just, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really sluggish. You know, I just have a hard time getting my day started. And I kid you not two days, two mornings in a row after doing a protein shake in the morning, it was like, I got my life back. I was a new person and I was, I could not believe how much better I felt, not just energy wise, but my mood and one simple thing like that. Now I'm not saying like every mom out there should go drink a protein shake, but I think that's to your point that there's these small deficiencies that just, you know, could be made up or, or we could be in better balance. And, and I think for moms that they can get really hard on themselves sometimes like, well, I, I have an anxiety problem or I am feeling depressed or I'm this or that, but it might not be faulty wiring in your brain. It might not be a pattern of, of negative thoughts that you're just consumed by. It actually might be related to your health status and your nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that relationship you noticed is something that, especially in my anxiety program, is when people figure out that the foods that they eat affect their mood in one way or another. It's like this big light bulb moment for people where it's like, wow, if I eat a certain way, my mood is more stable. I feel better. I don't have as much of the ups and downs. And so it sort of helps them realize that that relationship is there, whether we like it or not. And I I really, one of the things you said is kind of like struck me is when people go to the doctor and they complain of these subclinical symptoms where it's like, 
not quite to the point where you would have a, a real like clinical problem to where you would be there passing out or you would be, you know, you would have like a, a severe medical problem, but you just don't feel right. And like we know as women, and, and I think just as humans, when we just don't feel 100% right, and yes. then to be told like, you're fine, you're, there's nothing wrong with you, you're absolutely fine. It's like, no, I'm not fine. Like I, I don't feel fine. I feel anxious. I feel low energy. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm not... I'm not myself. And it's like, yes, I get there's the hormonal element, there's the neurotransmitters, the, the whole entire thing of giving birth and like bringing a new person into your household. Like there is like a mental health aspect to that. And I, I think counseling can be very helpful for that as well. But there's also a physiological, like chemical reason for a lot of these things to happen to where you know, maybe, maybe your nutrition is not quite right. Like maybe that's what's causing the fatigue. So I think you need to explore, um, you know, all of those things. And I think a lot of times doctors or other providers, depending on their training, I'm not knocking all doctors, but a lot of times it just gets, it gets left in the dust because you didn't like pass out or, you know, you didn't require intubation. Like you're not in the ICU. So therefore like, quote unquote, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's yes, it's very true. I think the bar is set very low and, and unfortunately there are just a large amount of very, very unhealthy people in our society. So when you're experiencing some of these some clinical things, the doctors are like, um, okay, you're not like the rest of my patients. So I think you're fine. And you're sort of like this unicorn. Um, I'll never forget uh, one time I went to Mayo Clinic uh, here in Scottsdale and just thought, you know, it's like the best of the best, right? So I'm going to go get my my primary care physician there. And I go in and I'm like the youngest person by far in the waiting room. They are very well organized though. I have to say your doctor's never late. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but I go in there, I have this appointment and uh, it was before I, well, actually I didn't know. I was actually already pregnant with my first child. I didn't know that. So I went in there saying, you know, Hey, we're thinking about having a baby. I kind of just want to, you know, make sure everything's okay. And she asked me all these questions and she was like, uh, yeah, you're totally fine. Just like take a prenatal. I really don't know why you booked this appointment. And I'm like, (laughs) shouldn't I be thinking ahead? Just want to make sure everything's good. I'm like, that's it. Just take a prenatal. And then I found out like two weeks later that I actually already was pregnant. So apparently, yes, I was so healthy that it came easily to me, but, um, and that's not to knock anyone who's gone through a tough fertility journey, but it was just, I felt embarrassed. I felt actually kind of demeaned by my doctor and I'm sure she's, she's wonderful, but I just was like, okay, so I, I don't know. I, I guess I thought I was expecting a little more there. And I think I hear that from a lot of the moms I deal with. And, you know, I kind of wanted to chat about too, just, you know, clearly with all this spectrum of the fertility journey, getting pregnant, pregnancy, birth, and breastfeeding, Hormones are a huge part of that. Do you see nutrition affecting hormones? Absolutely. I mean, 100% hormones are proteins in your body. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know. They think it's like this mystery chemical. Like it is a protein in your body that's specifically made for either one or usually a lot more than one purpose. So a hormone like estrogen, like it has a lot of different functions and your body is making these proteins literally out of the foods and the micronutrients with the help of the micronutrients that you're eating every single day. So, you know, it just seems logical then that if your if your micronutrient intake or your um your 
even intake in general is not optimal, that it will affect the production of your body's hormones. And so that, that logic is true in that we see when there's nutritional problems is that the production of hormones sometimes gets a little bit out of whack. And a lot of times, again, it's, it's not to where it would put you in the hospital or it would make you so sick that you can't function, but it's like it causes subclinical symptoms where you know your body is very smart and it will take it will it will it will do the functions that it needs to do the most right so it will you know it'll keep you alive it'll keep you like functioning at least at a level to where you can you can eat somewhat you can sleep a little bit maybe i don't know i have a lot of people that have problems with sleep um but you won't you won't die maybe you'll get sick more often um but it it will show up in a variety of different ways in your life if your hormones are just a little bit off and a lot of times it can be um, solved through optimizing nutrition or, you know, not maybe not 100% solved, but improved, certainly. Like, I, I won't say that nutrition will cure anxiety or anything like that, but I will say that we do see symptoms go down. And I do attribute that not only to hormones, but also neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are also chemicals in your body, but they're more um, like communication between your brain and the rest of your body and in the nerve system. And neurotransmitters are so important for our mood and for our happiness and for the way that we feel about about our babies even about our spouses about each other and so your body is making neurotransmitters out of the foods that you eat and also with the help of the bacteria in your gut and so after you optimize nutrition you see this improvement in your mood and you're like wow like it, it just all came together to where when I eat a certain way, I feel better. I just feel better. And I hear that all the time from clients. That's how they phrase it. They're like, I just feel better. And it really is all these chemical reactions that are happening in your body from neurotransmitters and hormones and the gut bacteria. It just makes, it's like a well-oiled machine. It just makes everything run smoother. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know, you know, definitely for, for me and, and how I want to help moms is, you know, I, I know about that gut brain connection, right? And, and we've probably all heard at this point, you know, 80% or, you know, whatever number is the latest number of your immune system is in your gut. And so you mentioned getting sick more often and things like that. So, um, you know, I see a couple things that I was just going to just chat about with you that I see with moms and we can maybe dive into that a little more. Um, so a couple, couple issues is one, I see uh, low milk supply actually correlated with gut problems and uh, slow gut motility seems to correlate with low milk production. And there aren't a ton of studies on that, but once a lot of, a lot of times the foods or especially herbs that I'll recommend for my clients, and it's all just depends completely on them as an individual. I know everybody's like, what herb can I take? And I'm like, well, tell me a little bit about yourself first. <laughs> um, it's not like you all just go buy fenugreek and take it till you smell like maple syrup. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, I don't hate fenugreek, but if I could just beat that myth, uh, it's just needs to die and go, go somewhere and die now because that's not, not the powerhouse herb everyone's convinced it is. But, um, you know, these, these herbs that I recommend often are very great for the liver and they're also great for improved gut motility. Um, and, uh, I see moms who take antibiotics. Um, maybe it's a case of mastitis. Maybe, you know, they, they got sick, maybe they had them, um, you know, in labor, but, but taking them at some point while they're lactating and their milk supply decreases, 
which is very interesting, right? And, and doctors will swear up and down all day long and pharmacists, oh, that doesn't affect milk supply. Well, it did, it does, and we see it all the time. And so there's these things where, you know, even oversupply, um, and, and that's no joke. I know, I know a lot of low supply moms out there are like, oh, I wish I had an oversupply. Well, do you wish you had plug ducts and mastitis all the time? Because it's not fun, and I've been there. I've had both journeys. Um, but I see that correlated to an inflammatory diet. And that doesn't mean that if you have low milk supply, you should just go eat a bunch of inflammatory foods. I literally had a client that like made that interpretation. And I was like, no, 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 Like, please don't go <laughs> eating like Cheetos and Takis and like drinking soda all day. Cause it's probably not going to help you make more milk, but I definitely see nutritional things affecting it. And I'd love to know from your perspective, you know, if you could recommend something to really any postpartum mom, but especially a breastfeeding mom, what, what are some basics in terms of their nutrition and diet? Like what are the key points they want to make sure they're hitting? If it's macros, if it's types of foods, anything that you would suggest there? Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on some good points here in that like the production of milk in and of itself is like a, a huge hormonal thing that your body is is doing through the use of hormones like prolactin. And um, I'm sure you know them a lot better than I do, but uh, obviously prolactin. Oh, you're doing great. You got this. <laughs> oxytocin. That's another one. But uh, I think that's more of a neurotransmitter. But, um, but anyway, I think that the production of milk is one of those things where it's like, okay, if we optimize nutrition, then we'll optimize the way that our body will make these hormones and then milk production um, will improve. But I think that there are a lot of outside factors that maybe we can't control. Like, did you or did you not have Pitocin during labor? Like that will affect your hormones and your milk production and all that. Did you yes. have a C-section? Like there's a lot of data that shows us that C-section really affects the way our breastfeeding journey will will happen. And that's not to say that like it's, you know, I, I know a lot of moms feel guilty for having C-sections and that's not it. Like it's it's not to induce guilt. It's more like we we have to realize that that's a factor and then come up with another plan for how we're going to overcome that. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> we both got phones ringing. That's nice. <laughs> what were we talking about? Okay. Uh, well, we were talking about milk production and especially birth, like you said. So cesarean section can uh, affect, and again, it's like you said, no, it's no judgment, but it just is something we need to consider. We have to factor that in so that we can create an appropriate plan for your success. Exactly. And so like with my first baby, just to get, bring a little personal stuff in this, because we talk a lot as scientists, we're like, this affects that and whatever. But like we struggle with these things personally. Like I had Pitocin with actually all three of my children, but with my first one, um, I had my milk didn't come in as quickly as I would have liked. And then to dealing with like, obviously with your first child breastfeeding like this is another thing where it's like you have no clue what you're doing so you're like trying to figure this whole thing out and then the uh, lactation specialists of the hospital don't necessarily like depending on who you get but the, they don't necessarily help with the situation they they gave me like a nipple shield and there was like oh just keep could just keep feeding and the baby was hungry and then she was crying all the time so I was like what is going on like what do I do with this baby that's crying all the time because she's hungry or is it because she's hungry or is it because she's just a newborn baby you know like you're trying to figure all this out um and so 
at first I did end up supplementing. And of course, whenever you supplement, that's going to affect your milk supply because part of the hormones that make milk is the baby actually sucking on your nipple in order to stimulate milk production. So then when you supplement, you have to go back to like, okay, now how do I deal with this whole milk production thing of getting enough milk into her? And I also had a... Um, what do you call it? Like a overactive letdown to where my letdown mm. is very strong. And so then that was another thing that I was trying to deal with, with the baby. And so it's like all these things are happening to me in real life. And so like no amount of data and um, like research is going to help me with these like day-to-day situations where it's like, I'm just trying to figure out how to get this baby fed. And especially when you're a dietitian, when you know all of the benefits of milk and of breastfeeding, it's like you have this guilt hanging over your head of like, well, what if I can't breastfeed? Or what if this isn't going to work out? What if I I have all these problems? Of course, that doesn't help because anytime you're feeling guilty, then you know, you're going to have those hormones that are rushing through your body. So I get that it's not always like so clear to where you can just be like, oh, of course, just eat a healthy diet and do the right stuff and then your milk production will be fine and have a natural birth because that's right for everyone. Um, So I know that's kind of a long rant and a tangent to go off on. Um, But I do think that, you know, there are things that we can do. And so my mistake with my first baby is just to be like, throw my hands up and be like, I, I just have to supplement. Like, what else can I do? You know, I think with the right guidance from professionals like you, Jacqueline, like other lactation consultants who really know what they're doing and what they're talking about, that we can overcome some of these problems that are really common. Um, But I do think that making sure you're getting the right nutrition can help to smooth out that hormonal process of milk production so that you're more likely to have the right amount of milk supply. Um, And then all this emerging research with the relationship between your gut bacteria and your milk production, you know, that's something we haven't even really like scratched the surface on. So it's just the, the better you can eat, like the more you can eat whole foods, the more you can eat foods that bacteria like to feed off of. Uh, I won't say that there's any particular macro plan that you should follow. Definitely like don't follow a low carb diet when you're breastfeeding. Like I think that's my number one, um, point of contention is people like, I'm going to go keto and breastfeed. Like, don't do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I try to remind people, uh, you know, especially since it was the beginning of the year recently and they were like, what do you think about the whole 30? And I'm like, well, you know, I think they've made some adaptations there and, and you can make that work, but breast milk is mostly carbohydrates. So if you are not getting those in, we, we might see your milk supply go down and certainly your energy levels and yeah, keto, uh, it can, I have seen it work for moms where breastfeeding is well established. They're past that kind of fourth trimester time, but you know, yeah, not a, not a great recommendation. And I love what you said too, about just making sure that you are eating healthy and eating foods that feed your gut bacteria and those sorts of things. Cause I, I, I like to, you know, I like to be sciencey about things, but I also like to just be real about things. And for moms to have an app or a checklist of like, okay, I got to eat this many, you know, red veggies today and green veggies and this and that, like, okay, well, let's just, you know, you probably can't get every single bit, well, you can, but I mean, to try to get every single bit of nutrition that you need in, in a single day meal plan, you know, you're, you're living your life more than one day, right? So let's look at like the course of a week and, and, and maybe just relax a little bit and not be so hung up on a diet or, a particular meal plan and things like that. And if you're a planner and you plan ahead, that's wonderful. 
great, but I think moms already have a lot on their plate, you know, and what I found really helpful for a lot of moms is, uh, you know, they'll do the kind of meal train thing, right? Like during pregnancy. And so they have their friends bring them food and things, which is so wonderful because you don't really want to be grabbing for that bag of potato chips, uh, although there's your carbs. So <laughs> maybe it's helpful, but you also want to have something healthy that's prepared that you don't have to cook while you should be recovering from birth, you know, going through this, you know, process of new motherhood and all of that. So it sounds like you take a you're not a very strict kind of like, it must be X, Y, Z. And it's really refreshing <laughs> to hear that. Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, if you're craving potato chips, by all means, like I love potato chips. I think it's more <laughs> about like adding the foods that are going to give you the nutrient density that you need to make the right amount of breast milk versus like don't eat X, Y, or Z. So a lot of people are just not eating enough produce. Like really that's like the number one thing is eating enough produce. So instead of like telling yourself like I shouldn't eat potato chips or I shouldn't eat whatever, insert food here, eating more produce and using your intuition. Like sometimes our body are, is sending us cravings because of something that's missing in our diet and it's trying to get that specific nutrient. So like if you're craving oranges, like it probably means that you need like some sort of vitamin or mineral in oranges. Like maybe it's vitamin C, maybe it's one of the other vitamins or minerals. Maybe it's even the fluid. I find that a lot of people are just not drinking enough and it, it's tough. Like you have a baby and you're like trying to take care of this creature and like feed <laughs> it and do all the things that it needs, like change its diaper. And you know, you've got, you may or may not have family around to help you. I don't know what your personal situation is. Like a lot of people don't have as much support as they would like. And so a lot of times it's like your needs go on the back burner. It's like, okay, I, I know I need to drink water, but like, where am I going to put this baby? You know, while I go get like fill up my water bottle. But it's these little things that like, if you can focus on them as much as possible, you know, like put the baby down for like a few minutes and yes, maybe the baby is crying. I get that. Like they are going to cry sometimes and it sucks and it makes you anxious but put the baby down and get some water in, like get some fluid in, get some nutrition in into your body. Um, it's not going to look perfect. It's not going to look like it does in the magazines where you're sitting down and eating mindfully for like 30 minutes like that. That's not going to happen when you have a newborn. But if you just take five, 10 minutes to put the baby down and focus on you, the baby will still be there in 10 minutes. And it, it, you know, 10 minutes of focusing on you is not going to make the baby like suffer in any sort of way. So I, especially the moms that have colicky babies, like I think this is really important for you guys to understand um, because I've had three babies. So I get it. Like it, you just want to hold that baby because if you put it down, then it will cry. Right. So my babies, all three of them, you put the baby down, the baby starts crying. You're like, oh man, I bet, I, I guess I have to hold the thing 24 seven. And I'm not trying to talk about like, obviously it's your child. Like you love it. Like I'm, I'm sort of being a little crass here by calling the baby and it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think sometimes it's like, you just have to look at it with a little bit of a humor to it in order to not go completely crazy. <laughs> you know? So um, I love that. I so love that you're saying that also, yes, babies are creatures, <laughs> sometimes really <laughs> screechy ones. Um, I totally, my first, he was very colicky, so I can relate and I held him all the time and I, I eventually found humor in it, but I cannot tell you how many times I was trying to eat and I dropped food on his head, like hot food. 
like, don't do that. Like I could have just put him down and let him cry for five minutes while I got some food in my body. And I, yeah, I mean, I remember that, you know, and just feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to just, you know, he's crying. He needs me. I can't do this. I can't do that. And, uh, I actually seriously considered, and now I look back, I'm like, that would have been a great investment. One of those little camelback backpacks, you know, that you wear with the little straw that comes around your shoulder. (laughs) That is probably like something new mom should have in their toolbox so they can drink enough. Uh, but I, that always comes to mind because I remember, and I think a lot of moms go through this, like in the early days breastfeeding, you sit down, you breastfeed, all of a sudden you're overwhelmed with thirst. And you're like, oh my gosh, my mouth's just dried up. It's like the milk came out and it took all the water with it. And it's not that drinking tons of water will like make you make more milk or anything. That's definitely a misconception, but you want to drink enough that you're not experiencing that deep thirst. And there's also moms too who sit down to nurse and they immediately feel hungry. And yeah, while well, it would be great for you to have planned ahead and got your snack out, I mean, that's just not realistic most of the time. So I love that you're saying that. And I don't think you're being crass at all. And I love the the idea of humor, finding humor in it, because I think there are some memes on the internet about like, you know, moms like breastfeeding and dropping food on their babies and things because... <laughs> It is a real thing that happens. And I I love that you're also basically giving moms permission, you know, permission that, yeah, your baby, you know, like you said, they'll still be there in 10 minutes, right? They'll they'll still have a need that you can meet 10 minutes from now. And and, and are you really going to meet it now? Or are you just going to kind of keep it at bay and keep kind of pushing it off? And, you know, it's, it's okay, right? It's okay. Just, it's okay to just take care of yourself. I think moms need to hear that more often. Yeah, and it is. And, you know, it's, it's so important to remember that, like, you're, you're, you're doing fine. Like, the, you're not like neglecting your child. Like, I'd say like 80, 90, probably more than 90%, probably like 95% of the people that I talk to are not neglectful parents. They just have that overwhelming sense of guilt. Like, if I put the baby down to take care of my needs for 10 minutes, I'm neglecting them. And I think that you have to remember that your needs do, um, they do matter and they are important. And if, you know, if you continue to not meet your needs for the sake of the baby, then that's going to affect your mental health and thus your parenting, you know, overall long-term. So I think it's one of those cliche things that we all talk about and we say silly cliche things like, put your oxygen max on first before you do whatever, you know, like that. I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but the, the bottom line is cliches are true and that's why they're cliche because it's like people say them over and over again because they're true. So, you know, take care of yourself, moms. Like it, I, I get it. It's hard. You, you have this small human that needs you, but you have needs too, and you can't ignore them. So I think a lot of nutrition is just, just like following your intuition and, and meeting your own needs. Yeah, no, I, that's really wonderful and such a great message. And it's something I've been talking about a lot lately, uh, on the podcast and just elsewhere about following your intuition. And you, you kind of mentioned that about halfway through as well about just tuning into your body. And if you have a craving, you know, that that might be a sign that you need something and, um, you know, trying, trying to deny that, um, you know, maybe that maybe you do need to eat that. Maybe there is an investigation. And I know, 
it's definitely talked about during pregnancy, but not so much postpartum, right? So it's like this, you know, I craved pickles and ice cream when I was pregnant or, you know, <laughs> well, well, there's a lot of micronutrients and pickles and the brine of pickles and things like that. And so, you know, there's a reason why you're, you're craving those funny things or having food aversions. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's all these, there's the brewer diet and there's a lot of different philosophies for pregnancy nutrition, but I don't ever really see particular philosophies on postpartum nutrition. And it it just does seem kind of like it's something that's put on the back burner. So I'm really glad that we could have this conversation. And what I wanted to ask you too was, is there like, is there one thing like that you would want, you know, just our listeners to take away from, you know, hearing from you today, what's like one piece of advice that maybe you wish you had, or that you would love to just get out there a message, something that you really feel should be shared? I I really think I'm coming back to following your intuition, because I could give you any sort of like small tip or piece of advice or whatever the case may be. So I could say something like, you know, make sure you eat nuts because they're really nutrient dense. But like, say your baby has a random reaction to nuts. And like, every time you eat nuts, and then you breastfeed, like you notice your baby doesn't feel well. That that's maybe your intuition that's speaking and telling you like, maybe that's not the best, the best thing to do. So I think I could give you like a million pieces of advice, like like the, the ice cream thing. A lot of women do crave ice cream because it is rich in calcium. It's got protein and it's got a good amount of carbohydrate. And so, you know, it is sometimes exactly what your body needs at that time. But then for other women, it maybe is a little bit too high in sugar if they have some hormonal disturbances, whatever the case may be. So definitely talk to a professional and that always helps. Like we have a little bit of perspective, whether it's a lactation consultant a registered dietitian, um, any sort of health professional, we have a little bit of perspective because we know the science behind it, but nothing beats your own intuition for your own body. Like we know the science, but you know your body and your, your body is trying to tell you stuff and give you messages through your daily experience. And sometimes those messages are subtle and they're not like blaring, like, you know, your baby maybe is not having like anaphylaxis to nuts, which would be like a severe allergic reaction, but maybe it's like you just notice they're a little more colicky when you eat a certain thing like and and that that's you like that's your your body and your mother's intuition is so 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 important so don't ever let any health professional tell you like you need to eat this exact certain way that is like 100% science based um, like we, we have suggestions, we have ideas, but at the end of the day, it's your body and you're the one living in it. And you're the one who knows what you and your baby needs more than any, anybody. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm over here clapping. I won't clap cause it'll probably sound bad on the podcast, but <laughs> yes, that is so true because Oh, I just, I feel like, you know, a really great clinician that does any kind of the work around similar things to what we do or what we do is really someone who's going to help someone interpret what their body's telling them. Like we're kind like, we might be the decoders. We're like, oh, okay, you're, you're having this experience. And then we put the data together and we're like, well, that, that could mean this. Right. And then it's, and then it's just trial and error too. So we might suggest something. Does that help? Does it not? And, and there's a little bit of follow-up and things that happen there, but you know, really, really good practitioner is going to take that approach with their client or their patient 
instead of just forcing something on you, right? Like I, I will never forget. I had this OB, uh, a little bit of a tangent, but I fired him and I got myself one that would listen to me, but he was like, Oh, this new study came out and it said that you should take an aspirin every day to prevent preeclampsia. And I was like, okay, interesting. You know, I'm actually really healthy. And uh, you know, from what I understand, I don't have any risk factors for that right now. So is, you know, there might be some potential side effects. Like, should I take that? He's like, yes, everyone in my practice must take an aspirin every day. And I kept coming back for appointments and he was like, are you taking the aspirin? I'm like, no. And he's like, I told you to take it. I was like, I don't feel comfortable taking it. And so finally, after I think it was, you know, I don't know, a couple months of seeing him, I was like, all right, peace out because you're not listening to me. And I'm really glad I didn't because more, you know, that was one study that came out, more studies have come out and yeah, of course there are risks and that it doesn't always prevent it. And so, you know, there were actually nutritional ways, uh, funny enough to prevent that, but it is so important that we don't just take a one size fits all approach. I love that you brought that message home. And, you know, you are just, you are just chock full of information and guidance. And I think you and I have very similar philosophies where we really just want to help people get to the root of things that are going on. So if anyone who's listening to this podcast wants to, you know, get in touch with you, follow you, learn more, where can they find you? Where can they reach you? Well, online with all my anxiety stuff, I go by Samantha Lee RD. So that's L-E-I-G-H. So you can find me on Facebook. If you have anxiety, um, I would go over there and watch some of my videos. Um, if you want nutrition counseling, my nutrition practice is called Nutrition to Fruition. And we do accept appointments from people all over the world in the country. Um, and so you can schedule an appointment, nutritiontofruition.com or just Google nutrition to fruition. And we'll link that up in the show notes. So everybody will have that access. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Samantha. This has been such excellent information. I really feel like we got so much going in this episode that's really going to help these moms. And I really appreciate you being here. I learned something, believe it or not. I didn't, it didn't really register. I'm sure I read it in a textbook, but you just reminded me or taught me again that hormones are proteins. I learned a lot from you today. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me, Jacqueline. Wow. I had so many amazing takeaways from what Samantha had to say. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have her back on a future episode because I got some ideas of other questions I wanted to ask her that we just didn't have time for. But she is a wonderful soul. I've known her for quite some time. We kind of work in similar circles in, in health and in business and things. And so I would just love for you to go follow her. Check her out on Facebook. She's got some wonderful videos and content there. And if you're in need, like me, she also does video appointments. So you don't have to live anywhere uh, in particular to work with her for the most part. She's really, really amazing. And I will say she brings a fresh perspective, especially as a mom of three children, a mom who has breastfed and she understands that journey, which is something that most registered dietitians, that's really not part of their normal education. So I love Samantha. I hope you got so much out of this episode. If you did, follow her on Facebook, send her a message, send her a little love note to let her know how this information impacted you and helped you along your breastfeeding journey. Until next time, I'll catch you on the next episode. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. 
In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras, and you can get started right now.